Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Zeit gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 251, episode four of The Daily Zeitgeist, ah! a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared mm-hmm. consciousness. It's Thursday, August 25th, 2022, yeah. mm-hmm. which means the day before my cool sister Shannon's birthday. Oh, shout, shout out, out to out MC uh, Shan. cool sister Shannon. Okay, MC Shan, shout out to you. Also, National Banana Split Day, National Kiss and Ooh. Makeup Day, National okay. Park Service Founders Day, National Secondhand Wardrobe Day. I mean, those all work. Those all work. I feel yeah. like a, you like banana. I'm not really a kiss a and makeup split. day is good. That that like gives people an excuse to do something they've been putting off. Yeah, I guess so. And end a quarrel today. You know. Yeah. Reach out and love somebody. I think that's always good news. But I'm not, I gotta be honest, I'm not really a big banana split man. Huh. It feels like healthy. <laughs> I'm serious. I was right. like, I don't, I, cause I remember as a kid, like bananas were like a thing that like, it's like, yo, eat your fruit, eat your bananas and stuff. So I was like, okay, fine. Eat but your I, bananas and stuff. I have, yeah. one, I have like one of those potassium allergies, like where it makes my throat itch. Oh, does it? Yeah, that's yeah. Like, Same with avocados, but I work through the avocado paint. Like it, it's, it's a different thing. But like whenever I see a banana sweat, I'm like, that's vegetables on my ice cream. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's just keep it as unhealthy as possible. An asparagus split. An asparagus <laughs> sundae. Oh. That's my favorite. With an asparagus straw? Mm. 
<laughs> Asparagus shake. Uh, anyways, my name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Yo Jack Horseman, courtesy of Miles Gray. Yo Jack. <laughs> Yo Jack Horseman. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! One cast a net in to see, two make the turtles come to me, three maybe add a few sharkies, and if we catch some tuna need, and four toast yoga mat hoagie, five Scoop some tuna, then add cheese. Whenever they say mild sandwich is done, I'll order a second one. Okay, wow. Fighter of the Night Man giving me Brian McKnight, smashing it up with Subway tuna. Wow, bless you. Two bless feet you. of Sunday tuna is is where that. I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming you're not ordering two six inches. Oh no no no, that's two feet. That's two feet. You are mostly turtle at this point, my friend. Yeah. And I love that. Shout out to Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael, and Splinter and the crew. Damn, you can remember all their names. That's yeah, well, that was like the real Loki. <laughs> that was like the earliest like Japanese representation I saw on TV, to be honest. I was like, yo, Splinter? these Ninja Turtles? This motherfucker <laughs> named Orokusaki. And that's yeah. Hamato Yoshi. <laughs> anyway, so I was like acting like, yeah, yeah, I know those names like in school. But it was anyway, shout out them. Well, I'm coming to you from Texas. Oh, Central yeah. time zone. Your future. I'm in the future. What's, <laughs> what's the future like in Dallas? Invest in cowboy hats would be my advice for the future. Uh, they're oh, they're like huge that? in the future. Uh, you very popular. Uh, I have not. I've not bought one, but I'm, my, uh, cowboy hat, my cowboy hat stock purchases are, are in process. <laughs> they're processing. Okay, okay. Yeah. Supervisor Ana Jose snapped a low-key picture of somebody at the airport she was like i'm in dallas i got i got to dallas and she snapped a picture and this person was wearing four cowboy hats like Wait, there's what? one on top of the other was just like ah, i'm finally home i guess just, as like a stunt or it's like this is how i get my four hats through on a flight like was well, it think, a life hat? i think hats like that are hard to travel with because oh yeah you need a case yeah you can't like fold them up or like roll them up or if right. you do you are bad at traveling with cowboy hats so i, th- I think that's that's damn what that's happening. my see that's my my baseball hat privilege because you could go to like you could get a little yeah, case man. for like nine hats and that fits in a backpack but i'm not out here wearing those big cowboy hats so mm. uh, uh. well miles we Mark, are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a professor of Alaska Native Languages at the University of Alaska Southeast, yeah. an expert of just many, many things, the host of the new podcast, The Tongue Unbroken, from Anna and Joelle's Next Up Initiative. Yeah. Please welcome Dr. Hune Lance Twitchell! What's away, you hun? What's away? What is happening? I've been sitting in this chair thinking about this show because uh, i've been listening for a long time so i've i brought lists and lists of things because when you're indigenous sometimes when people open the door you're like i gotta go i gotta put shit everywhere yeah so that we can reserve some spaces for other indigenous people to come here so i got yeah. i don't have an aka i've got uh, plenty of i got quite a few indigenous names i'm very honored to have names uh like which is claimed forever from an elder uh, in Tesla named Anasha Hash, Liam Johnston, 
and my uh, my first Lingit name, Khune. Uh But I have two songs. I have two songs for AKA. Hell yeah. And I thought of this. One is uh, for the old metalheads who were, grew up in the 80s. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, I'm Generation X. Yeah. And so okay. even some of the elder millennials might get the reference. And then I got kind of a newer one because I was getting my kids ready for school. And I thought, well, I better have something for the people of today. For the youngs. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna try. We are not, by the way. We, yeah. <laughs> We're right uh, in the middle. We appreciate you yeah. looking out for us geriatric millennials. Yes, I'm more in your column, I would say, but let's go. <laughs> okay, here's the first one. White man came across the sea. He brought us pain and misery. But what the fuck does this song mean? Give the land back and everything. Mm. Uh, that's the old Iron Maiden song. And I yeah. remember when I was, I was probably 10 when that came out. And I would think, what is this? And they would have weird video. Like if you ever watch the video, it's just weird. Right. And then they're like, they're these white men who are across the sea, singing about white men coming across the sea. <laughs> and then, and when I was in college, and, and so I thought of this song, it's kind of weird. So I, I was in college and I walked past somebody's dorm room and there were, it was a white guy and he was blasting this song. And I happened to walk by right when it said, white man came across the sea, brought us pain and misery. And I just kind of looked at him and, and he turned it down. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, sorry, sorry, my bad. I was just, I was just vibing. Yeah, and I thought <laughs> this is a weird situation. And so, so here's the second one for for the people of today. Okay, so, Yes. Sometimes all I think about is colonialism. Late nights <laughs> in the middle of colonialism. Colonialism yeah. been faking us out. Ow. Can I just fucking survive now? Okay. Hell yeah. What's, wait, what? who does that song now? Glass Animals. I'm dying, I'm thinking of that's you. it, Glass Animals. Oh, glass that's Glass Animals? animals? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn, they, they got so many styles. Have, okay, yeah. wow. I just, know, I just know that song as being like, that's that song that's always on the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it really blew up. That's how old I am now where... I used to be like, yo, that's that song. And now oh, I'm like, oh, yeah, the one that's the like, radio. I don't <laughs> think about you. And I'm like, I don't know anything else, though. Right. <laughs> Oh, where, where are you coming to us from? Yeah, I am uh, in a place called Akkwan Ani, which somebody decided to name after a guy named Joe Juno. And we'll talk about this kind of stuff a little bit today. Is Yeah. I, I, this is kind of my little narrative of how this stuff works. So Akkwan is the people of the little lake. So I live on their land. Tlingit peoples are divided kind of into states, basically, which are you usually have a place name. So Ak is the little lake. And then Kwan is the ancestral people of a place. So I, I live on their land. I'm, I'm very fortunate that they're wonderful hosts. Uh, my Our ancestral homeland is a little bit north of here, but it's in southeast Alaska. On a map, you'll see it's called Juneau, Alaska. Uh, we're trying to get people to start using Ak Kwan because, uh, yeah, that guy, he came here, sure. But <laughs> I think it kind of it works like this. Like, okay, let's say a long time ago, we're all in a boat. And we're, we're all, for this scenario, we're all white people and we're checking out these indigenous people's lands. And I'll say, well, I'm gonna go over here and talk to them and I'll be right back. So I go talk to them and I say, hey, what's that mountain called? And they'll give me a name like Tlaxatunjan, right? Hands at rest. Right. And then I'll come back and they'll say, hey, what'd they say? I was like, they told me that name. 
but that mountain is me. That's how I think it works. That's, I, right, right, right. that's my mountain. Yeah. No. Reminds them of me. Listen, right this way. Yeah. Yeah. My hands at risk in particular. Yeah. But name, anyways, name it you guys should come visit. We got we got whales, bears, we got all, all kinds of cool stuff here. Get a big salmon out of the out of the waters. Um, oh yeah. I love, love that. Just oh. reach in, pull it out with your hand. Like a like picking apples <laughs> like off a, a bear. Tree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of things we're talking about. Joe Biden came through with the debt cancellation ish. Like, I mean, he's definitely canceling some debt yeah. enough yeah. that it crashed the fuck out of the servers of of the websites where people can go check that shit out and yeah, it, it's still, it's 10,000. It's 10,000. That's not, I don't think it's what people were hoping for, but it, it is means tested. It is nice, nicely triangulated to not piss off the people who donate to him. Right. So we'll talk about that. Super producer Trisha is going to come on and talk about using technology for language preservation and revitalization and just generally chop it up with Hune about his podcast and language preservation. Yeah. All of that. Plenty more. But first, Hune, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? Yeah. So uh, the other day I was looking up this Raven t-shirt by an artist named Jennifer Younger, who is Shinget. She lives in Sitka, uh, Alaska. We call Sheetka. And uh, I was watching She-Hulk attorney at law, which is fabulous. And at the end, the Hulk is wearing this shirt with what looks like a Shingit design on it. Oh. And so I was like, wait, wait, what? And so, uh, and then I found, then she announced it uh, a little bit after the episode premiered. And it was super exciting just to see, like, just to normalize, like, people wearing some of our stuff. However, like, our clans are kind of divided into Raven's side and then there's another side, which is the eagle or wolf side. And you marry into the opposite. We call them opposite clans. And so if he's wearing a raven and you know, I'm, my clan is on the raven side, so then I had to Google, well, how old is Mark Ruffalo then? Because we have these kinship terms like younger brother, older brother. And he's older than me, so he could now be the incredible hunch, which would be the incredible <laughs> older brother of the same clan. And so I'm going to have to... Like patent that, and uh, what do you do? You mail it to yourself, draw a picture, mail it to yeah. myself. Make sure nobody steals that from you. But we're yeah. always trying to name things like that little baby Yoda when that came out. We're trying <laughs> to name that first and think the first one who named it like got bragging rights for a day. So that's Yoda Yeti, child Yoda. So, uh, but shout out to Jennifer Younger and and her work and getting it out there and to. Those folks over at Marvel put some Thinget stuff on the Hulk. That was pretty. Yeah. Bad. Do you know how that happened? Like what the what the connection was that 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 shirt ended up being on the show? Well, I I don't know. I had to look into it, but I will say he he wore two different indigenous shirts on mm. on the episode, and I think Mark Ruffalo, to his credit, like when the Dakota Access Pipeline protests were happening, like he went there, and and like it's something like a celebrity doesn't always go and like suffer you don't suffer with the pepper spray and the attacking dogs and the spraying you know, getting sprayed with the hose and shot with you know fucking rubber bullets yeah and the freezing but there cold. were 
white people who went there and did suffer with the indigenous peoples who were trying to stop this pipeline development from happening on their land, which was going on at the same time, this is kind of jumping back a few years, same time as these white ranchers in Oregon are sort of occupying this national park. And I remember watching the news, I was like, well, where's their pepper spray? And where's their rubber bullets? <laughs> right. And you know, I do think one of them got killed, which you know, I don't want anybody to get killed, but I do, when I see stuff like that, I just think, you know, white people just get a different life. Oh, yeah. And, you know, right. indigenous, you know that's no secret. The Bundys, is that, I think that's yeah. who you're that's referring right. to? Clyden. The Bundy clan. And they just, like, went and, like, shit all over the <laughs> that building that they occupied. And, then yeah, one of them got shot. But, like, when you read the story, it's, like, they, they were pulling a gun out, I, I believe. It was pretty, uh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a friend here who's in, in news, and she was talking about doing some studies on, like, both sidesism. And, you know, mm -hmm. and I was like, well, even like both sides, like there's more than two sides to anything, right? You're usually going to exclude marginalized people if you just boil it down to one That's side or the other, right? Right. But like I said, but you should look at this thing because I would have my students look at that. I was like, just go, go study these two things and tell me what your impression is, both in terms of how it's being covered, where it's being covered, and also just what's going on in those places. Right. So, uh, but, you know, Going back, like he he was there, and so that brings some attention to it, and and that brings you know, as celebrities walk around with magnifying glasses on them all the time. So if right. they go and lend themselves towards things that are leaning towards equity, then that's usually a good thing. Right. Yeah, that's dope. Is it? Are people able to like order that T-shirt? Yeah. Whatever, like it's it's actually hard. I was just googling like Mark Ruffalo, uh, She Hulk, Raven T-shirt, and it was just a bunch of T-shirts of Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, <laughs> basically. Yeah, you know, and so we want to get toward. It. I think it's Jennifer Younger, Y O U N G E R, Raven yeah. shirt, and that it should pop up. It was like Janu. I don't even know how to say the company. G I N E W. I think is the shirt company. Oh yeah, USA dot com. There. It yeah, is. and so. Good. And her stuff is fabulous. She's doing all kinds of engraving. We, we got like amazing artists who are up here and it's just great to see their work like hitting, you know. And so other things that are going on, like She-Hulk is, is amazing. But if, if you're out there, you should check out Reservation Dogs. You should check out Rutherford so Falls. Yeah. And just to see, you know, Molly of Denali, to have like indigenous representation. Like we were talking a little bit about representation earlier. You folks were... Like with indigenous peoples, all you had was just these buffoons in Bugs Bunny cartoons. And there, there's actually a Bugs Bunny cartoon where um, there's a documentary called Real Engines. And, and he's up there on a fort and he's shooting Native American peoples. And so he fires his rifle, bang, 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 bang. Then he goes, one little, two little, three little Indians. And then he says, oh that one was a half breed and he erases a chunk of it like and that's children's television like yeah. that's what i grew up with so. mainlining that racist shit. <laughs> right? right just like kill them and make fun of them while you're doing right. it and so to be in a different era now where you have you know not just like shows that aren't aren't about native american people at all but feature some native stuff and then you also have native content coming up like the movie prey i know someone was here last week with you guys kind of sh shitting on the movie prey Mm -hmm. Which is fine. I think everyone can have their own opinions. I don't want to yuck anybody yucking anybody's yum, but that's my yum. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I would just I want to yuck anybody yucking anybody's yum. <laughs> Double yuck. Name yeah. all the films 
that you could think of that have a Native American female as a lead character. Right. There's not, right? For sure. And I think that's what's really, yeah, to that point too, right, with all the stuff that's out there is also kind of a smack in the face that Reservation Dogs got snubbed at the Emmys because I, we watched this show and we're like, this is one of the best shows that's come out because they're so yeah. authentically being like, we don't, like, we want to tell a story from our perspective with our right, like, that's, and it gave us something so new and original that I was completely immersed in the show. But yeah, I was like, how the fuck does that not get nominated? Right. Mm. Which is, you know, pendulum swings back and forth, I, I guess. All right, well, we're going to link off to uh, Jennifer Younger's stuff in the footnotes. Yeah, what is something you think is overrated? Okay, I got four things. Cause, All right. Okay. I, I was just sitting around building lists, getting ready for us. Okay, <laughs> I feel ready. like you have something in common with that guy who got to Texas and put on four cowboy hats. He was there like, you go, ready. Right? He was like, I got, oh, four. Is, I got four of these. <laughs> just starts taking hat after hat. Top of the morning. Okay, here we go. Let's do okay. it. So I, I think I, I did four, but then I'll talk about the last one. So colonialism, mm. uh, the improved order of red men, mm. white people telling me where I belong and naming the land after white men. And, and like, I know some people are going to listen to this, but oh, he hates white people. It's not true. It's not true. But I just think there's a lot of work to do. We have thousands and thousands of names on all these different points of land. And almost all of them have been systemically ignored. So I was mm. looking at this, this guy named Mendenhall, right? He's probably a fine person. Oof. Oh, the Mendenhall Glacier. Yeah, right. But he was like a physicist who had, he, I don't even think he ever set foot in this land. And he has like, like I was picking up this thing from a person. He's like, yeah, I live on, there's so many Mendenhall things here that if anybody says it, you have no idea where to go. Oh, it's like oh, Mendenhall wow. Glacier, Mendenhall Boulevard, Mendenhall Avenue, Mendenhall Point Road, Mendenhall right. Flats. And I'm like, what's the deal? Like all these places had names and we can restore those names and then people can just speak our language, which would be really amazing. Right. Mm. Such as such an easy thing to do where suddenly it's like, oh, I'm just by virtue of this real name, I'm learning a language because it's a descriptor and it's not like, and we celebrate this fucking guy. Glacier. <laughs> <laughs> also, the name of the most terrifying human I've ever encountered, which was my eighth grade basketball coach. I had that name. So. Coach Mendenhall. Yeah, man. Ooh. Woo. He was... right, so to, to ease your trauma. We gotta get that name off of there. Yeah. Get that name off that damn glacier. Get it out of here. I mean, sadly, that glacier may just vanish anyway, so it won't roll back. Yeah. Uh, what is something you think is underrated? Uh, so underrated, another list. Let's do Number it. one, big anti-energy. So Native American women laughing, teaching you stuff, guiding you. Uh, th there's so many aunties and who are mother figures to me who were just incredible. And just the big, the big loud cackle. There's, there's a guy named Don Bernstick, who's a Native American comedian, and he's got a, a bit, which is the ways that Native American women laugh. And if you watch this with, a, with Native women, like they will laugh that way, which includes <laughs> punching you towards the end and doing all kinds <laughs> of stuff. And then my other items were indigenous languages, decolonization as life and function, and then like squatting. So I, I've been learning about squatting my whole life because, you know, we've got land and we also, we've lost almost all of our land as native people. 
But then sometimes you'll see someone who has a spot and you're like, well, how'd they get that nice house in that nice area? And they just like went there and just, it's called squatting, where you just go and live somewhere and people can't move you, I guess. So I've been using this tactic at our university as we're growing like this indigenous studies program. So I'll just go grab a bunch of my stuff and put it in a different office and put it in a different office. And then (laughs) I was like, I'm just going to hold this and then we're going to get someone a job and then I'm going to take my stuff someday out of the office. And so that we were, so I'm, I learned how to squat from white people so I can sort of try and get our land back through. It's like a reverse squatting. Yeah, use the tools against them. Yeah. It's like, well, y'all Does that work as a, as a, like in a professional setting? You just like uh, occupy someone's office and they're just like, well, I don't want to have this conversation. So uh, <laughs> if you're indigenous, you can only squat on a bend and things that nobody wants. But, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to perfect my technique so that I can so I won't be as good as some of these some of these folks were that that came here. All right. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about canceling student debt and other stuff. We'll yeah. be right back. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump. Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where... First-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course. And season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island. And secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth 
issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. And we're back. And the big story of the day is that Joe Biden canceled uh, exactly $10,000 worth of student debt. You know, better than nothing. I think that's his 2024. The Democrats fucking slogan for Democrats. Hey, better than nothing. Better than nothing. Right. Better than fascism. Kind of. Right. Huh? Huh? Yeah. (laughs) Palatable fascism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good campaign, right? Like we're not super racist, but we're also just dead in the middle not really doing anything. Yeah. Just we're not totally bothered by concerns on the margins, but hey. We're doing the best we can. Yeah, I mean, look, it's another day, another incremental attempt at solving a massive systemic problem that we have in the country. And also you know, not doing the best they can. They're they're decidedly not doing the best. They no, can. no, no, that's no, not the, at all. That's the fucking frustrating thing. No, there's there's so much triangulation going on. Of like, well, oh we can't mess. We can't have this group be mad and this group be mad if we want to address systemic inequality. Mm, okay, well, you know, current currently in the U.S., obviously, we have a terrible go into debt if you want a degree problem with our university system. It's basically like, you know, you're inundated or you're sort of socialized, inoculated with these thoughts of like, you got to go to college to enter the middle class. And then once you do that, you can have a regular consumer life because you have your paper degree to give you the good jobs. And that leads a lot of people going into pretty massive debt because of this, you know, this sort of cycle that we have. Right now, there's about 44 and a half million Americans that are dealing with student loan debt, and many will feel relief from this. The administration says like a, a lot of people will have their debt canceled. But if you really we'll, we'll dig deeper into those numbers because it does leave out mostly, you know, marginalized people. Here's what the, the bill actually does. Student debt payment pause is going to be extended through December 31st. If you have if you got Pell grants, you can receive up to 20 percent in student debt relief. If you uh, 10 percent, if you did not get Pell grants, all of the relief is going to be, again, means tested. So 
It's for individuals who make less than 125000 and families who jointly make 250000 There also, there's a thing in the American Rescue Plan that says this is not going to be counted as taxable income. The loan forgiveness program applies to federal borrowers from undergraduate and graduate programs. And there is like a new repayment structure with a cap of like 5% of your income if you have undergraduate loans. Sure. Okay. Those are some things. And a lot of people are really looking at this $10,000 figure. On the right, you just have people just pissed off in general because they like don't like anything that resembles an attempt at addressing inequality. So they're always going to be pissed off. And then there are many other people that you see on, you know, writing op-eds where it's like, well, what about the people that paid their debts? Or this isn't, what about the people who, you know, all this stuff, aren't they going to be mad? You're, this is this is so terribly unfair. But if you're really looking at the issues where the whole, the way everything is set up is terribly unfair. And this is an attempt to try and address that. So I think the real concerns are that is about truly addressing inequality. And just to give you an example, black graduates are on average carrying about $52,000 in debt. And many of them are women. And the statistics show that relieving debt would be a massive step in balancing the scales, okay? Because black and African women, uh, black and African American college students owe an average of $25,000 more in student loan debt than white college graduates. So just put that in your mind too and think of that $10,000 and if that will actually make things equitable. Uh, four years after graduation, 48% of black students owe an average of 12.5% more than they borrowed because of interest rates. And it isn't just black Americans, American Indian and Alaska Native students, bar, uh, those borrowers owe the highest monthly payments. And black and African American students are the second most likely to have monthly payments of $350 or more. And this is also causing things like people delaying having families. 33% of Hispanic student borrowers say they put off getting married due to their student loan situation. 66% of black student borrowers regret taking out loans because of the lack of you know, mobility they have because they're so saddled with debt. So this is a ton of stress on people's so shoulders. And people are just saying like, well, can this, this does help. But if the whole point is to try and say, hey, unburden us with this debt so we can begin to live lives that are a little bit seem seemingly more equitable, do something that really addresses this. And I think that even the interest, doing something about the interest would be a huge, huge step. But that's just still kind of, you know, floundering. So I guess if we can feel good about this, if we say, hey, this is a first step on a long road to really address real, like deliver real results for people. But if this is just going to be a, hey, vote for me in November type deal, this is this is a terrible, terrible misstep. And it's only going to, you know, we're just kicking the can down the road at this point. Was it presented as a first step? Was he like, and this is step one <laughs> on a long term thing? Because No, but there was no well-defined thing, you know, much like how people were talking about the Inflation Reduction Act and the right. climate stuff that was addressed in there where like many of the people like a lot of I think the more progressives were like, hey, you got to support this because it is the first step. I think many people who are critical of this bill, like, you know, other senators are like, this has to be a first step. If but, you want to know how much more powerful capitalism is than democracy, like the we, we are looking out for debt collectors like <laughs> that, who don't poll class. very well. Yeah, <laughs> don't they don't poll very well uh, when you're looking at like democratically, you know, the opinion polls, debt collectors don't don't poll that well. But we are looking out for them and ignoring just 
the majority of people, uh, we're ignoring a step that would make our civilization, like demonstrably would make our civilization work better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think you're looking at a Band-Aid to a systemic problem. Yeah. And a right. Band-Aid is something. Like if you're bleeding out and someone gives you a Band-Aid, you're like, oh, well, that's something. Sure. So... <laughs> But yeah, appreciate it, the thought. <laughs> Thoughts, prayers, and my, a Band-Aid. For my sliced carotid artery, do you have something more than a <laughs> right. Band-Aid? I mean, thanks, for sure. But it, And they could have called it the payback better plan or the better payback plan. Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. And, and so, but I think it's a, it's a start. I think the systemic problems are we have an inequitable system of like how people get money and maintain wealth and and who gets access to it. And so the best schools are very expensive. And so the other thing is like, if you if you want to get an education, you've got to figure out how to enter into these loan systems that are predatory by nature. So I, like, I had a loan through the state of Alaska, which wasn't a whole lot of money because I had federal loans and federal grants and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I paid those back. Uh, and I had to get others. You know, I still have student loan out there. I know people who have so much in student loans like this would be probably maybe 20 percent of of what they owe and so they're still going to have that and so but with the state the state loan that i had i paid that thing for probably 10 years and it never went down because i don't understand like why is there even interest involved with this if you want people to get an education sure loan them the money but don't be don't put the points on there you know like the sopranos or whatever and then on that yeah on your education like when I went to college, there are all these booths there. Like, hey, get all this free stuff. We'll give you a credit card. Get yeah. this. Look at this cool ass stuff. And you just here. And then I would just spend that money because I didn't know how that stuff worked. Right. I didn't grow up with financial literacy. Same. And, and and so I think one is just trying to. Why don't we just protect our children while they become adults, and then also just sort of have a system where it's a little bit easier to, to move up whoa, and down. Whoa, but I think, whoa, 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 no, that's, that's not some colonizer mentality, man. We're here right. to fucking make fucking as much goddamn that. money as possible. I don't care if I'm silencing people with debt because they're financially illiterate. But yeah, that is, I mean, it's so true. Like we, we at every turn, the United States is just completely incapable of doing what the humane thing is. Right. right. Without it being, without there being some calculus about what it does for the business class or industry rather than, what is the correct thing for the human beings that are here? Right. And it it's so mind blowing because the solution seems so easy. Right. We were just talking about this with gun control. It's like we don't need less guns. We need more robots and shit. Right. And fucking death well, drones boxes. that have tasers. Tasers are safer than guns. At least what? they're not putting guns on the drones, Miles. Well, just Which tasers is what the for now. Republicans would call for yeah, them because the guns go on the Boston Dynamics robot dogs, right? Yeah, and that's, better. those are the new teachers. Lower but yeah, base of gravity. It is kind of a wild story because, again, like you even look at people who work in like healthcare and stuff. People need advanced degrees to enter public health too. Those jobs don't pay that much either, and these right. are people who are dedicating themselves for like a public good. And we're yeah. still like, yeah, I don't know. Here's here's ten grand. They're like, I still owe seventy on top of that, plus the interest. This might as well not be anything. We're going with the debt collectors over the social workers, and like 100%. that actually probably isn't that unpopular when you when you think of just like how fucking warped our our current system is. It's like, yo, yeah, yeah. well, why they go into social work? It doesn't pay that well. Like, what are they thinking? Right, and you're like, I'm sorry, that's their fault. 
It's like because they're right. empathetic people who want to help. It's like, yeah, right. and you should fucking you should be out with me fracking. <laughs> fucking killing it right now. It's like what? you're losing the game. Yeah. That's right. Just extract until it's gone. Hey. Right. That's right. Dude, it's coming off the ground, man. I, I retweeted, uh, I, I hope I say her last name right. I heard it. Shelby Nowellette uh, yesterday said, just so we are clear, I will not be paying my student loans until I get my land back. So. <laughs> yeah, facts. There's, it's wild how much, again, there's so, we look at the deficit that indigenous people, black people who are, are brought over and like would, to do a chattel slavery and things like that, not addressing that deficit that was created from any of that of being dispossessed of your land or your, your liberty and still looking at it. Like, I don't know what's wrong with them over there. Mm. Like we don't, we're never, we never have this sober fucking analysis of like, yeah, man, this set people back fucking centuries. Right. And we're out here like sitting on our hands, one, like scratching our heads, what the issue is, you know what the fucking issue is. It's as clear as day. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's very frustrating to to live here. Education, too, for Native American peoples was a tool of assimilation and genocide. And so some of the founders of educational systems for Native Americans, they said, well, I heard this phrase that the only good Indian is a dead Indian. And I would counter to say, you can kill the Indian and save the man. And, and like, that's a phrase that was coined to really sort of energize the boarding school era. You had similar things in Canada with the residential school era. And so now we need to get an education in order to do all these different things. And, and I, I think people should get an education. That's what you want to do. Right. But it shouldn't cripple you. And also, it should probably just be free for Native Americans because of the educational system and what it's done to, to indigenous languages, to indigenous cultures. Uh, and just like, you know, just how much we are typically excluded from everything, education, yeah. entertainment. And until we get to a point where it feels like we're starting to see some equity, it should probably just be free for Native Americans. 100%. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of what's amazing about your podcast, right? Because I, man, I, I first of all, I got to tell you, I was telling you before, I was, I was like overcome with emotion uh, listening to your podcast, The Tongue Unbroken. And, Thinking of like what it means for like these colonial forces to come or people taking you away from your land to be to like work this other place, you can see you you're the the thrust of it is saying like I don't want to allow this to completely erase who we are, what what our history is, our language is, and it really puts into context how delicate those things are. And how quickly we lose sight of things vanishing before our eyes like that without any consideration, like the the process that it goes through. And there is a there's a moment in that first episode where you're speaking to your kids. And I was I got really overcome with emotion listening to that because it was I can hear from in your voice how important it is to you that the that none of this is in vain, you know, that that you that you're your 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 history and your languages are not are not erased and even you can hear it that what you've transmitted to your children in the importance of understanding who you are and what that can offer to other people and i think this is so beautiful and i really just 
I, I felt that as somebody who like speaks two languages and I think about how much as a kid I would hear Japanese and be excited to be like, oh, wow, that's someone I speak that too. That's something I can connect with. And and even like other guests you've had where they're speaking with people in Cherokee and they're like, oh, that's how my grandfather said something. There's so much there's so much I realized, too, even with a, something that seems so specific, it it's so easy to connect to this. And I don't know, I just I just sort of that was my very uh, <laughs> glowing way of trying to transition to talking about your podcast, because I think it really is fantastic. And I really urge like the listeners to check it out because it's really amazing. Yeah, we our language is probably down to uh, about 40 speakers, 10 that I would consider master level speakers that they're probably irreplaceable at this point. Uh, and we, we actually, we just lost one yesterday. Her name is Chikai Klaw, oh, Irene Kediente, and she was beautiful. Like, I, it's so amazing when you do this work that uh, like a whole library burns down and nobody really knows. But what I try to do is to connect with our students and say, okay, this, this is gonna be one of the harder parts is you're gonna learn this language, you're gonna start speaking to these older people, and you're going to be one of the few people on earth who can understand them. And they're going to share a whole bunch of stuff with you that they don't have anyone else to share it with. And then you're going to lose them. But what you have to understand is you are now the bridge. You are becoming the bridge between them and the future generations. And, and I've got friends who are raising their kids in our language, but we probably went 60 years without raising kids in our language. And so we had to figure out how to do that again. And for a lot of Native American languages and Native, Amer Native American cultures, like, I just really want people to know that this is a thing. We're here. We've been here. We will be here. And like, we're trying to tell stories about succeeding despite this huge genocidal effort, yeah. like probably the largest in the world. You know, it's not a bragging thing, but just to say, like, we've overcome all of this stuff. And despite all these systemic efforts to completely annihilate us, we're right here, we're speaking, and, and we have kids and they can learn, and we have adults who can learn, and we can build programs. And And so I'm just trying to find other people who I could talk to about this stuff. And I just talked to uh, Ray Taken Alive, who's Lakota, and talking about what's going on with their language and how someone kind of tried to steal it from them and sell it back to them. And And so like, there's all these wild stories that I think people should know because wherever you live in North America, there's probably a language right where you live right. that's in a lot of trouble. And then if we just think about it and if we just think, what can we do? I think colonization de dehumanizes indigenous peoples intentionally, but I think it also dehumanizes the colonizer because you're just not yeah. supposed to do that kind of stuff. And the act of decolonization rehumanizes everybody and it's just it's a better narrative than this one of uh, westward expansion and, and manifest destiny and all this other garbage that was kind of invented to keep the momentum going yeah you mentioned in your conversation with ray taking a lot of the the this idea that colonialism makes you think everything has already happened i i think is how you put it like it, it really resonated with me as somebody who was like you know educated in the United States, like public school system, and just this idea that like everything was settled law, basically, and that this was like, you know, we're on this progressive march of like Western expansion, and the Western world is as good as it's ever been, and we'd already 
figure we've already like figured everything out basically was like kind of part of the the story and then my continuing education like has been a process of unlearning all that shit and your podcast has been you know a huge a huge help in that department but i the more i've unlearned that stuff the more i can recognize how soul damaging like the the assumptions the core assumptions of like the colonialism are like just in terms of like how you interact how i interact with the world around me and am like turned off to it and think that things are settled and like that these horrifying realities that we we live around are are necessary you know as opposed to a bad you know consequence of like a particularly nasty eddy of human history that like just looks like the status quo because we're living with uh the a world of history and culture written by colonizers yeah and, and i think overcoming the great denial is, is a major part of it because i think colonialism also sells you this idea like if it's not this it's chaos. Before we came here, people yeah. were eating it each other. And right. They didn't love their children. And it was just, you know, and, and I think it's, a, it's also just total lies. Like they were very sophisticated and rich things. Like we have so many people who came among us and said, your language is so simple. And I'm like, you, don't even, you can't even fucking talk it. You're like, it's, there's so right. much to this language and there's so much. You know, I was in Hawaii in a setting Hawaiian and, and uh, I was sitting with someone at a bar and I, I left and I came back and they, someone else sat next to them was talking to them and were saying, you know, Hawaiian is such an easy language. Like you learn it like a weekend. And, you know, so I said to him, oh, you know, Hawaiian, that's really cool. We should speak Hawaiian. Uh, I'm learning Hawaiian, you know, and he says, oh, no, I don't, I don't know Hawaiian. And I said, oh, well, you must know Hawaiian because you said how easy it is to speak Hawaiian. So you got to know it in order to know that, right? And right. Oh, you know, so I, <laughs> I think, but. One of the things that I want people to know, and, and I think everybody should know through the educational system, if, if we can reform this big, ugly thing, is like to actually do this work and to look at this stuff, that's not the scary part. That like, if you can learn indigenous language and speak it, there's still so much fun and loving stuff that, that happens and it's funny and it's, it feels good, but to just ignore it and to let them die, which I think is sort of, the, the myth of modernity and the myth of cultural hegemony is like, well, it's, it, well, it would have been nice to do something, but we can't do anything now. But I think that's the system trying to sort of convince you to just let it happen. But you right. don't have to because it's a choice and we can make a better choice. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, and even like that assumption that like things have, like it's just settled and just accepted as they are, like you're saying, it can even lead to people who do have backgrounds that are like originate from outside the u.s think well i'm just american now you know right like i'm here because this happens to a lot of kids with immigrant parents they might tell you a lot or they might not tell you much about where you come from Uh, i was very blessed to be like told like you're like this is japanese you're speaking japanese and i had the benefit of having enough media around that's in japanese that i could learn my own language very easily and even listening to your show i'm like damn man like so many of these opportunities are not available to many other cultures because of this like systemic erasure of it. And it, it, yeah, really like really has me thinking so much about how much more 
I can know myself or my own history because especially with even being like, you know, black and my uh, grandparents coming from the Southeast. Like, I know that one of my great, 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 great grandmothers was, I, I believe, married to a Cherokee man. And but then that was gone. Like, that's just a it's a picture and a memory. And then nobody talked about it. And then that it took years for me to even know anything like that about myself. And it's wild how. Yeah, how how even how we just even in our own lives will be like, yeah, well, that happened and I'm here now. But right. there is a process of like reclaiming and re re under like actually relearning your history that you you're sort of resurrecting it. Well, we got uh, two people that I know of that can speak Japanese already and then learned Tlingit. So you could be number three, and then Jack, you could you come learn Tlingit too. You guys come here. We'll look at bears. We'll learn Tlingit. There's so there's all these good jokes in Tlingit. There's all this funny stuff like. Hey, I want to get punched that by an auntie because she's laughing so hard. Yeah. That's, you had me right there. I'm like, hey, big laughs to count me in. Right. Uh, that happened to me one time. Like, you know, someone teased someone and then she punched me. I was like, I didn't even say the thing. But she was laughing <laughs> while she did it. Right. It she like, knew it was coming. <laughs> All right. We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to be joined by super producer Trisha to talk about how technology can be used in the, the effort to preserve and revitalize and some of the languages that you're talking about on your show. So we'll be right back. You like to watch new stuff, right, Zygang? I know I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, Join Lisa and her hand-selected staff at Chateau Rosabelle, a glamorous estate in the French countryside, as they live, work, and play together 24-7. Vanderpump Villa is where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. And don't miss the new season of The Kardashians, uh, starring The Kardashians, of course. And... Season five promises new horizons for the entire Kardashian clan. And if you're looking for steamy streams, check out Grand Cayman Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set on the tropical Caribbean island of Grand Cayman, where the rich come to play. But be warned, it's a small island and secrets don't stay secret for long. So come check out what's new on Hulu this month. It's streaming now and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. And we're back, and we are thrilled to be joined by super producer Trisha McCurgy. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How's your phone, first of all? That's how what I was gonna ask you. (laughs) It is still with me, Jack, but it is disintegrating, unfortunately. There's like Ah. those weird streaks coming in from the corners. So it's haunted. There's let's just admit it is (laughs) your your phone is haunted and trying to leave this plane of existence. (laughs) So Trisha is bringing you. You're bringing us a story about how we can use technology for some of the things that Khune talks about in his show, and mm-hmm. and also just to add to the conversation we were just having. Yeah, thank you for having me, and I'm just so happy to be here and be talking about language with you, Khune. I was listening to your podcast the past couple of weeks, and it is incredible. And just like Miles said. Definitely got a little teary-eyed. Yeah, I was just thinking about how in the end of the first episode when you're talking with your kids and they know, I mean, obviously they're pretty young, but they know that their language is something that's important to them, something that's been disappearing and been taken away and been kind of stolen and erased. Um, And I also, I mean, I didn't speak English until I was five. I spoke Bangla, but I've completely forgotten so much of it I don't know how to read or write so now it's like I'm in my 20s and I'm trying to relearn and reteach myself all these things which is so much more difficult than just knowing it in the first place yeah well you know we we talk about this kind of stuff too because I think if if children grow up with a language 
like they learn it really fast and then they sort of start to level off. And if adults start learning, they learn pretty slow typically and then sort of take off. And so we, one is as we're sort of building these environments where kids can be raised in the language, like right after this, I'm going to our language nest to go work with kids. You know? And so it's, it's funny because sometimes we're working with the kids and, and kids can just be a handful sometimes. They'll say, these kids are going to kill this language because they're so tough to do. But yeah, I'm just kidding. I, I love, they're so fun. They're so funny. And, you know, like my kids, they make jokes all the time. Like if you spoke Tlingit, like you'd catch my middle daughter. I was like, I said, and Tlingit, what do you know about Tlingit? And she says, but, you know, so of course she says that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, man. That's resonates with me with a having yeah, right. a four-year-old and a six-year-old yeah. yeah we got all the fart jokes but, all, all the other yes, things yeah. right and they're, they're really fun but the other thing is like we do have adults who have a tremendous amount of trauma and i, I think people who sometimes come here to the united states can relate to this like sometimes your parents will stop speaking to you to protect you just so you don't have an accent and people mm -hmm. don't you know people are just mean. And, and also they'll put you in ESL classes. I have a friend who was, he's Korean and they just, they put him in ESL because he's Korean. Like he spoke English just fine. Right. And so there's these, you know, stigmas that are out there, but, and for Native Americans, like when, when folks went to boarding school, they were tortured. They, they put chemicals in kids' mouths. They, they had them put their tongues on the frozen flagpoles. Like they're, picking them up by their hair, doing like such horrible stuff that a mm -hmm. lot of folks, as they became parents, they said, well, I gotta make sure that doesn't happen to my kid. And then as you grow up, like you, you're denied this stuff that is actually essential for your survival. So sometimes coming back to the language, it's not just the difficulty of learning a language, but it's all this other stuff too, as you have to heal and reconnect, which is wonderful, but sometimes it, you gotta overcome a lot of pain to do mm -hmm. that. Hmm. And Trisha, you were you were looking into like kind of the the double edged sword that is technology when it when it comes to this sort of stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. So as I was talking about, I'm relearning Bangla, which is my native language. And one thing that I've been doing recently to help me is that I downloaded the keyboard with the Bengali alphabet, and that just got me thinking about how. I think the fact that so many people around the world have access to technology and the internet now, it's much, it's easy, you know, to think in English or to think in Spanish or Mandarin when these are these really big languages that a lot of people can use to communicate. Um, I imagine if you're in a community without a ton of access to the outside world constantly, it would be much easier to just continue speaking your native language. But just like we've talked about previously in the show, technology has a lot of negative effects. You know, we've talked about mental health. We've talked about misinformation. But I was kind of just thinking, how can technology be used to preserve languages and revitalize languages? And yeah, I was curious before I start kind of talking about my own research. Uh, Rene, what, what are your thoughts about technology? Yeah, I, I think it can it can lend itself in, in so many different ways. Like we connect through Zoom. We use Zoom in a lot of our classes and we have been, even before the pandemic, like we're using that because we have over 60 sounds in the Tlingit language. And if you need to hear the difference between and uh, 
you know, like we have so many different sounds that all sound the same, but they are distinctively different sounds. And, and you might be saying, you know, butthole instead of saying you know, something else, right? Or feather and fart. A feather is like downy feathers. And a fart is and, and like, that's such a, those are so close together, right? And so, <laughs> Yeah. We intentionally do you think they're intentionally <laughs> close together yeah. because farts are somewhat soft and feathery? Well, they can kind of, yeah, they can kind of float <laughs> yeah. out there and right. come down to the surface. Uh, but and and so I kind of became obsessed with finding really high fidelity so people can hear because we had tried to teach through the telephone and it, it was very difficult because some people couldn't even hear the end of a word, and then when sometimes things would come out through educational technologies, you'd be, it'd sound like you're listening to some bootleg downloaded MP3, you know, just the way it's compressing the audio. Mm -hmm. And so we found that Zoom, you could get into the options and have it uncompressed audio, and that really helped. And then even going back, we've had languages recorded, you know, the earliest recordings we have are probably the late 1800s, early 1900s. And those are on wax cylinders, and we had ones recorded on wires, then reel to reel. And so we have a lot of documentation of our language thanks to technology. And now, now the technology is in these learning apps. Like there's a group that uh, we work with, and I'm on the board called 7,000 Languages that they fundraise and they say, if we raise enough money, we'll come in and develop a learning app for free. You know, like we will not, we're trying not to charge anybody. But then sometimes if those technologies exist, people will be like, well, we almost died, but then we got Rosetta Stone. So, whew. But, then, <laughs> but then people don't do the work to learn the language and to use right. it. And so you have to, it has to be the human beings changing their lives, creating that room. But I think technology can be, as long as it's just a tool in the box and it's not, mm -hmm. it's not the car that, the it's solution. not the self-driving right. car that takes you there. Right. Yeah, so I was actually reading about something that sounds quite similar to what you're talking about. It's a website called First Voices. Have you heard of it, Hyundai? Yeah, it's great. Okay, yeah, so I was just going through and I, I thought it was so awesome. You can select a language and see different words, phrases, songs, stories, and the alphabet with like pretty high fidelity recordings. And it's also so interesting that low quality recordings can just take away so much from a language. That's something that I didn't really think about. And actually, one interesting thing that I noticed on that website was because I imagine in many realms, technology is can be exploited. And as much as we want to preserve indigenous languages, we don't want them to be exploited. So I thought it was this really cool feature where each tribe's archive has an administrator who can make certain recordings private so that only members of that community can access them. So they do this for things like prayers or sacred songs so that only the people who are supposed to listen to them can, but they're still preserved and uh, documented. And so, yeah, I was wondering, like, what do you think in terms of privacy or technology being used? You know, can it can it harm Indigenous or Native communities if we don't know enough about that, their actual priorities and interests? I think I'm always nervous about being exploited because it just tends it just tends to happen, right? And so mm. this Raven shirt that was on the Hulk, like there'll probably be fifty copies of it made by, you know, 
non-indigenous peoples yeah tomorrow right right? and and so that that tends to happen but and we have these conversations too because there's these databases one i think it's called markutu Mm -hmm. Uh, i might have said that wrong but where basically you can set access levels so if you're of the clan you can have access to a whole bunch more information And, and we have conversations like that as well where before, not everything was for everybody, but then you also have a language that's really close, or got close to death. And as we try to sort of push the language everywhere, sometimes we have to have conversations about, well, maybe it is for everybody now, but you just, you don't translate it because you've got full encryption. Like, Tlingit is fully encrypted. And, and so we had code talkers who were in World War II and, you know, people couldn't, of course you couldn't understand what they're saying, right? And so, but I think, as we sort of look at those things to just store information, make it accessible. For me, I always want to say like, what's going to get people to it? And what's, Mm. how can we remove any barriers? So like Mm. uh, we fought for a number of years at the University of Alaska Southeast to say, can't we just make these classes a free option? Like if you want to learn your indigenous language, why do you got to pay the state of Alaska? Why do you got to pay tuition? And so we we started supplementing that with lots of scholarships for indigenous peoples. And then we just said, if you don't want the college credit, you could just join us. It's free. You could just check it mm-hmm. out. And just to try and create these safe spaces for learning, these safe spaces for using. So I, I think it can be good. And then you can have maybe information that's pretty sensitive because if, if we just told you in English, like where one of our medicine people were buried, someone would go and dig them up and steal all their mm-hmm. stuff. That, that's just right. what happens to us. Like, I was in this training, and this is bananas. So, as in this training called the Native American Graves and Protection Act, and this guy said, uh, There's about 2 million Native Americans today. This is 20 years ago. And there are more Native American human remains in colleges and universities and museums than there are walking the earth today. Oh, and I yes. said, can you repeat that? Because I don't think it's not registering in my brain. Yeah. And, and so he did. And so for for me, like everything that you could conceive of has been taken from us. Mm-hmm. And so I think what's important is technology and money and then totally reforming education. Yeah. And I think right. the reform that I could imagine is like if you live in Alaska and you want to graduate high school, you got to take one semester of an Alaska native language. You just you just have to do it. Right. And so mm-hmm. for for me I think I think the technology can certainly help. I, I think right. sometimes we'll chase the technology and it'll sunset and then we'll lose like we had a whole bunch of stuff that was in flash. Mm-hmm. And we can't do anything with with I mean you can watch it now but you can't really do anything with it like as far as an interactive platform anymore. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I think when I was growing up and fascinated to learn of the Native American civilizations that were here before colonialization, the narrative I always heard was, but Native American civilizations were like an oral tradition. So, like, we don't have any of, like, we don't have, like, their records, basically. And, like, the the degree to which that's not true and that there's an entire galaxy of like unstudied philosophy and literature from the history of indigenous tribes that like goes untouched or unexplored just because like to your point earlier about the languages not being used but being usable and translatable like that that feels 
like it should be the growth area of the future of academia is like there is a whole world that is totally that that gave us the many of the best ideas of the past 500 years like many of the ideas that like america today is like we came up with this this is america's like grand tradition and we came up with democracy and like all these all the different like the the way that the checks and balances work and the, the nah, contradictions of american government is like no that shit you stole that from indigenous and native tribal societies and then like just tried to bury them and tried to right. bury that reality and like the the fact that it just sits there and is unstudied is like it i get i don't know how academia like reconciles that other than to just ignore the fuck out of it yeah yeah i got a, i got a friend named mike navarro and, and we both work at the university and i always call him dave navarro like in meetings which is so yeah bad. <laughs> you know, they're like, you mean the guitarist? i'm like oh damn it no <laughs> but he and i are writing a paper about this saying like okay it's not too late for science to decolonize itself because science sciences and mathematics in, in america are super colonial by just excluding people and so you've got centuries where they could have been learning so much like we've been fishing and cutting fish right here since there were mammoths walking around like we were walking around with them, speaking our same language, doing our same stuff, you know? And so with, with that unbroken chain of knowledge, like that could be coming into science in ways that doesn't threaten it. Like, so I had a dean uh, who was not a good person to work with, and, and he said, indigenous ecological knowledge is a threat to natural sciences. And I said, what the hell are you what? talking about? Like, this is all additive stuff. It's not a one thing or the other. And it's not ecological knowledge. It's just indigenous science. Like, we have science, too. We have knowledge. We have all this stuff. Yeah. But I think it freaks them out because we'll say, oh, yeah, well, this guy got turned into a salmon. And then he was a salmon for a year and he came back. And that's how we know this stuff. <laughs> right, right. And that's just mm -hmm. not acceptable for them. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, underscores that mindset, too. It's like, no, this is the one true thing. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you've been looking at it for a long time either, but that's a threat to my, like, supremacy ideology where I know everything. So please, like, it, it's so, such a transparent way to say that. It's actually a threat to that. Right. Like, mm. I'm sorry, how? Because then it upends I feel the threatened. idea. It upends right. the idea that uh, we know everything. Right. Uh, and we're rightfully where we are because of that and not because we're stealing ideas and then absconding with them back to Europe and be like, I thought of something interesting when I was in the new world, actually. <laughs> Let me write this down. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of curious because um, there's a lot of linguistic theories out there. One of them is that the language you speak determines how you see the world. And I was wondering, Rene, when like... Can you tell us about some of the ways that speaking Tlingit changes how you perhaps see the world? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I was, when I was studying in Hawaii, and I was learning Hawaiian, and I was speaking with a, a guy who's uh, Chamorro from Guam, his name is Tinakpangi, and this friend of mine, Deho, who's Mohawk. And, and I just asked him, I said, when you speak your own language, when you speak a different language, are you a different person? And we all had to think about that for a while. And most people said, well, I'm the same person, but I think differently. 
And so I, I noticed as I started to learn more and more Tlingit, like if I get really mad at a friend of mine, I would speak to them in Tlingit first, even if they didn't understand it. Then I would say, I, I need to ground myself in my language mm -hmm. for a second before I talk to you about why I'm mad that we got in a fight while we we're playing basketball, right? So just like weird things, you know? But then when you can talk to these elders and uh, for some of them, they're kind of on their deathbed and we're sending videos back and forth to each other through their family members. And like just this idea, like we can share stuff that is, it might be impossible to actually translate the impact of this stuff. And then we can sort of, there's a whole bunch of concepts, like just concept after concept that I think doesn't always translate because we're not just saying the same thing in a different language. We're, we're, we're touching base with, with these different realities and these different things. And then, I had an uncle who was, his name was Kachtlein, Paul Jackson. And his name certainly sounds like Big Rabbit, but he'd get mad if I said, is that Big Rabbit? He'd get, he'd get real mm -hmm. mad. It's like, not Big Rabbit. So, <laughs> and it sounds like, but he was a wonderful teacher, but he would get mad if I wrote stuff down. You know, because I would write down, I write down everything I hear. I just carry these notebooks and I just, I would just go to the elders and talk to them and just write down everything and try and like put these pieces together because I felt an, an urgency to learn as much as I can so I can teach it to people. And um, he said, stop writing it down. Your your brain's going to get weak. And then there was a, an, a, an elder who was Koyakon, which is a, a nation that's north of us. And she said, you know, people used, her name was Catherine Atla. She said, people said that we were inferior because we didn't write things down. But I could tell you a story that takes 10 days to tell. Mm. And, and mm. you would have to read that story because you can't remember that amount of information anymore. Right. And so it was also sort of challenging those types of things. And so I think, yes, because as you learn Tlingit, it also, it just unlocks some stuff on the land. Like if mm. a language has been in one place for over 15,000 years, like it is embedded in the landscape. Like we had a, a bear that chased us off a couple of years ago while we we're smoking fish. And there were three of us there and we we're all working on the fish. We got chased in this little garage. And so I decided to stay and work on the fish and, and just watch it and honk the horn us in a van. Like I'm not gonna I'm not going one on one with no bear. That's <laughs> that's, that's a lose situation. <laughs> but yeah, I'd beep the horn and it would take off. And then mm. um, this buddy of mine, his name was Wayne Price, he's an amazing carver, and he said well, Uncle Smitty said, if you speak Tlingit to the bears, they will leave you alone. And I said, of course I knew that. Like, mm -hmm. But the bear scared me and I forgot. Silly. Mm -hmm. So then <laughs> not even 10 minutes later, I'm outside, you know, getting the smoke going again in the smokehouse. And that bear comes walking up. And I just said to it in Tlingit, so I said, this isn't yours. You know where your food is. It's it's in the river. Maybe go to the river. Mm -hmm. You know, sorry, but this is this is for us. And the way it looked at me and left, I knew it was never coming back. And it didn't, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so we have connections to things and people can be part of those connections. Like you can, right. you don't have to be a colonizing force. Mm -hmm. You have agency, you have decisions, but you also have to push back on these ideas that, if we do it, something bad's going to happen. Like I used to argue with these politicians. And so we had this uh, wonderful, wonderful person named Elizabeth Parachovich. Her thing mm. name was Kach Kach Ag. Mm. 
She was a pivotal member of, of an amazing team of folks who got an anti-discrimination bill passed in like 1947. And so uh, they used to have signs up that said like, no Indians allowed and no Indians and dogs allowed. Like you could just put that up in your businesses or whatever. And so they, the, the reason they passed this law is that you couldn't put those signs up. And this one like senator who has a street named after him, he Again? said, mm-hmm. right? He said, <laughs> who are you to think you can come mingle with us with 5,000 years of recorded civilization? And then they also said things like, if you put people together, you're just going to have more racial division and more, more fighting, basically. And then like flash forward, like 70 years later, we're trying to get native languages made as the co-official languages of Alaska, which we did. One of the big arguments that this guy said, he said, if you try and make the languages equal, you're just going to have more racial division and fighting. Mm-hmm. And I said, 70 years, you can't even think of a new argument right. other than that wow. foolishness. Right. So, yeah. Shows just, yeah, how, <laughs> how abstract a problem uh, racism tries to solve by just being like, I don't know, man, because if there's more equality, it's going to be bad. Look, I'm uh, this is already a bad faith argument I'm trying to make. So don't <laughs> expect me to have something better right. than that shit. Right. <laughs> like where it's like, I don't know if people know each other and get along. They're going to like fight more. Yeah. The wall. Makes yeah. sense. <laughs> it's yeah. one step away from I'm the one who's going to be oppressed. Right. No, 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 no. Check the books. Check the receipts. You're doing all right. But yeah. I think this again, I really want to urge listeners to check this show out because it I, like I said, I couldn't believe how touched I was by being completely ignorant about the topic, but also realizing how any person who's had to move, who ha- who's who's gone from one culture to another, has immigrated, whatever, that these that it's so easy to connect to, and also realizing, yeah, to your point of like, man, how it, it is an active process to be like, okay, how can I sort of reverse this cycle of colonization? And it, it doesn't have to be this like monumental act. It can be actually very, like, very subtle things that you're sort of pinning together and you're 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 doing something much better um mm-hmm. so it's it was a yeah man i i i gotta say congrats on the show because it's it's yeah truly absolutely moving. and thank you so much for joining us yeah where can people find you follow you hear more about you yeah well uh folks should really check out beauty translated black fat femme and uh partition as this next up initiative has been just so amazing to just see uh then i think let's see four, there should be four more podcasts i think at least yeah. coming out yeah. yeah and so like just really like as we sort of look at voices that have been marginalized to start pushing us nudging us towards the center it's just been a wonderful experience uh i'm on facebook to stay connected with people i'm on twitter trying to make jokes and fight with <laughs> racist people who just come out of nowhere and try to like I don't know what they're trying to do. But um but you can find me under Duani Kaudanuk or Khone, which I think we'll probably have to link off. Unless you think it's spelling is aces, then good for <laughs> you. This is just uh, a pat I guess we had an elder who said a pat on the back never hurt anybody. So good job mm-hmm. uh spelling thing it. And then uh the tongue unbroken like there's there's a website there's uh 
social media, both on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Also, I'm on Instagram too. Like I do all those things. Ray Taken Live is on TikTok. I think I'm going to someday make some TikTok videos, but then I feel like I'm going to be like, I'm always disconnected. Like I'll sing an Iron Maiden song or Prince lyrics <laughs> and I'm teaching these 18 year olds who are like, what? You know, so yeah. like, whatever. Or they'll think you you wrote those songs. They'll be like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? Yeah, I got two. And so I, the first one is check out everything from Mary Peltola. So she is she won the primary in Alaska for a congressional seat. And she's also leading the election to replace this guy named Don Young, who was yeah. oh, yeah. a talk about super interesting person. Uh, <laughs> he had a meeting with like these Gwich'in people, and he's talking about their land, and they don't want Anwar, and they're they're protesting stuff. And he says, "You're not the people. I'm the people." Oh man! It's like, all right, white man. Yeah, I've heard this narrative plenty spoken, of times. Spoken like a true guy who pulls knives out to argue with other politicians in true Don Young fashion, right? And like bruises their arms and stuff anyway yeah. so uh so he's he, he's, yeah he's gone yeah but the, the national headlines was like sarah palin is in second place and i'm like of course the story is about a white woman coming in second right and someone right. tried to come at me and say well you just think all natives are liberals and you didn't even mention that sarah palin's campaign manager is native and i said are you trying to generalize me and indigenize sarah palin at the same time because that's <laughs> ridiculous mary peltola uh, she could be the first alaska native woman in congress and i i hope it happens i think it should happen uh, another tweet that i think was great is from autumn a black deer uh, and she said i know i've said this before but i'll say it again decolonization is not a synonym for diversity equity or inclusion yeah. there is no de decolonial checklist or afternoon training that will magically decolonize your syllabus classroom or organization as a whole. There you go. Super producer Trisha, uh, always wonderful having you on the yeah. show. Where can people uh, find you, follow you, hear you, all that good stuff? Thank you. Yes, it was great to be here. Um, I do not have social media, but if you want to listen to more of my work, um, check out People Place Power. It's wherever you get your podcasts, and it is about activism by women, people of color, people in the global south, etc., and how they're creating change in their communities. There you go. And is there a tweet you've been enjoying? I guess not, right? You, you don't fuck with social uh, media. Nah. She got she's got a head on her shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> her what what do you twist. do then? Uh, <laughs> Look out fun. the window. <laughs> uh, right. Is there a site at your window you've been enjoying? <laughs> yeah. So I am actually in um in Colorado right now or on Uteland, actually, is what it is. And um there are some beautiful, beautiful mountains outside. Hell um, yeah. So I am enjoying those. Amazing. And where can uh, and what's their handle? The mountains. The mountains? Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah where do you find that on the mountains? At the real mountains. At real mountains. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. Yep, follow them. <laughs> Wait, it's the guy that played the mountain on Game of Thrones at real mountain. <laughs> oh, uh, Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Man, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Check Jack and I out on Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties. If you like to talk basketball and check me out on uh, uh, if, Talking 90 Day Fiance on 
for 20 Day Fiance. That's my other podcast with Sophia Alexandra. Some tweets I like. Uh, the first one at Jessicaob1 tweeted A second set of pronouns has just hit the woke trade center. <laughs> All caps. Uh, then another one from Choo Choo Goo Goo at Choo Choo Goo Goo tweeted uh, Parenthetical pointing to menu. And the tots, are they tatered in-house? Uh, which feels <laughs> a great one. And at Ellie Kremendahl tweeted, uh, the Biden administration is like, and it's a picture of Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development. And it just says, it's one student loan, Michael. What could it cost? $10,000? Oh, That's man. right. Yeah. Anthony Michael Kreese tweeted uh, preemptively posting this, and it's that meme of the trolley experiment <laughs> with like a bunch of people having just been run over by the trolley and the person at the switch being like, would it be fair to the people the trolley has already killed to divert it now? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Yeah. And then uh, Anzu at Anzu is online tweeted, food for thought, if the U.S. cut just 2% of its annual defense budget, it could afford to construct a colossal obsidian sphere in the San Francisco Bay. On top of the obvious economic benefits, it would be visible throughout all of Northern California and emanate an ominous hum, exclamation point. And then they photoshopped <laughs> just a giant obsidian sphere in the, uh, in the bay. I really enjoyed that. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think people might enjoy? Just some really, it's like, if James Taylor was funky and Brazilian, this mm. artist Sessa, S-E-S-S-A, just, there's, I don't know, it's like feels folky, but it's got rhythm because, you know, Brazilian music can't be like rhythmless. So this track is called Seheia Sentimental, and it's by Sessa, S-E-S-S-A. Uh, and check it out. This is, it's a really dope track. And I'm getting into most of his other work, and it's pretty fantastic. James Taylor looks funky and Brazilian. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I don't know how it's to describe because it's like got like if you like Jose Gonzalez, you're like Junip, that group. And his yeah. it's very like singer songwriter, but it's got like an edge to it. This guy's mm. doing it in, in Portuguese, but also I like the way the drums are. They, they're kind of it, it, it's just dope. Just check it out. Seria Sentimental, but it's spelled S-E-R-E-I-A and then Sentimental. I'm sorry that I had to lean into that Portuguese accent. There you go. All right. Well, go check that out. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's yeah. going to do it for us this morning. Back this afternoon to tell you what is trending. Yep. We'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Zeitgeist, gang, you like to watch new stuff, right? I mean, who doesn't? I do. Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time, like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama, a new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's streaming now, and it's waiting for you on Hulu. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. 
This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 